Section 16 of Mark Twain's Autobiography. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Friday, February 16, 1906. Susie's biography mentions Little Langdon. The change of residence from Buffalo to Hartford. Mr. Clemens tells of the sale of his Buffalo paper. From Susie's biography. While Langdon was a little baby, he used to carry a pencil in his little hand. That was his great plaything. I believe he was very seldom seen without one in his hand. When he was in Aunt Susie's arms and would want to go to Mama, he would hold out his hands to her with the backs of his hands out toward her instead of with his palms out. About a year and five months after Langdon was born, I was born, and my chief occupation then was to cry, so I must have added greatly to Mama's care. Soon after little Langdon was born, a year, Papa and Mama moved to Hartford to live. Their house in Buffalo reminded them too much of dear Grandpa, so they moved to Hartford soon after he died. Soon after little Langdon was born, a friend of Mama's came to visit her, Emma Nye, note, spelled capital N-Y-E, and she was taken with the typhoid fever while visiting Mama. At length she became so delirious and so hard to take care of that Mama had to send to some of her friends in Elmira to come and help take care of her. Aunt Clara came, Miss Clara L. Spaulding, she is no relation of ours, but we call her Aunt Clara because she is such a great friend of Mama's. She came and helped Mama take care of Emma Nye, but in spite of all the good care that she received, she grew worse and died. Susie was right. Our year and a half in Buffalo had so saturated us with horrors and distress that we became restless and wanted to change, either to a place with pleasanter associations or with none at all. In accordance with the hard terms of that fearful law, the year of mourning, which deprives the mourner of the society and comradeship of his race when he most needs it, we shut ourselves up in the house and became recluses, visiting no one and receiving visits from no one. There was one exception, a single exception. David Gray, poet and editor of the principal newspaper, was our intimate friend, through his intimacy and mine with John Hay. David had a young wife and a young baby. The Grays and the Clemenses visited back and forth frequently, and this was all the solace the Clemenses had in their capacity. When we could endure imprisonment no longer, Mrs. Clemens sold the house, and I sold my one-third interest in the newspaper, and we went to Hartford to live. I have some little business sense now, acquired through hard experience, and at great expense, but I had none in those days. 
I had bought Mr. Kinney's share of that newspaper, I think the name was Kinney, at his price, which was $25,000. Later I found that all that I had bought of real value was the Associated Press privilege. I think we did not make a very large use of that privilege. It runs in my mind that about every night the Associated Press would offer us 5,000 words at the usual rate, and that we compromised on 500. Still, that privilege was worth $15,000, and was easily saleable at that price. I sold my whole share in the paper, including that solitary asset, for $15,000. Kinney, if that was his name, was so delighted at his smartness in selling a property to me for 25000 that was not worth three-fourths of the money, that he was not able to keep his joy to himself, but talked it around pretty freely and made himself very happy over it. I could have explained to him that what he mistook for his smartness was a poor and driveling kind of thing. If there had been a triumph, if there had been a mental exhibition of a majestic sort, it was not his smartness. It was my stupidity. The credit was all due to me. He was a brisk and ambitious and self-appreciative young fellow, and he left straight away for New York and Wall Street, with his head full of sordid and splendid dreams, dreams of the get-rich-quick order, dreams to be realized through the dreamer's smartness and the other party's stupidity. Kinney had no place in Wall Street. He quickly lost the money he had gouged out of it. End of section 16, Friday, February 16, 1906.